Let's pray together. Jesus, Scripture declares that you came to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Well, here we are. We are the captives. We are the prisoners. Please set us free. We ask in your name. Amen. He was young. He ran with the boys in town. So it was really not a big deal when he took the dare. Oh, come on, please, just, just a little. Try it. It won't hurt you. And it didn't. In fact, he kind of liked it, this running with the guys. Some have called it uh, innocent folly. You know, boys will be boys and girls will be girls. And that's usually how it begins. So let me quote her to you. I'm talking about a girl, a co-ed here at Andrews University. I'm talking about a young woman featured in this major three-part series in the student movement, which is the campus newspaper. Put together, by the way, very well done by Melody Roshman, the editor. Title of, the, of, of these three pieces, Substance Abuse at Andrews. As I wrote in my blog today, it's in the uh, bulletin. I tip my hat to Kimberly Schwerzer, who told her story to the student movement. Let me quote Kimberly. She's now 25 years old. I'll put her words on the screen for you. Just because it's an Adventist school doesn't mean we can pretend that people don't drink, don't experiment with drugs, don't get into trouble. I went to Andrews to get away from party culture, she explains, but what she got was, as she put it, loss of control and addiction. Keep reading. I can't tell you how many times I've been in situations where I was so naive that I just ended up doing things where, looking back, I wish I'd gotten some information, end quote. What do they call it? They call it innocent folly. You know, boys will be boys and girls will be girls. And how, did, how, how did Kimberly put it? I was so naive, I just ended up doing things. That's what happened to her. That's what happened to him, this boy that we're tracking, you and I. Because let's be honest, nobody sets out to become a drug addict. Nobody sets out to become an alcoholic or a sex addict or a gaming addict, or a food addict, or a pornography addict. It just kind of happens. And one morning, this is the way of addiction, you'll wake up and poosh, the chains are as tight as you have ever felt them. So I suppose we ought not to be so surprised to discover there's a whole new wing of medicine now. It's true. Dealing only with addiction. The American Society of Addiction Medicine. So I went to them. I went to them online. I said, okay, give, give to me, please, your definition of addiction. I want to give you their short definition. They, four pages. I, I printed the whole thing off. Four-page definition they have. But this is the short one. They call it the short one. I'll put it on the screen for you. Addiction is a primary chronic disease of brain reward motivation, memory, and related circuitry. Dysfunction in these circuits tends to, leads to characteristic biological, psychological, social, and spiritual manifestations. Hmm. 
This is reflected in an individual pathologically pursuing reward and or relief by substance use and other behaviors. Like other chronic diseases, addiction often involves cycles of relapse and remission. Without treatment or engagement in recovery activities, addiction is progressive and can result in disability or premature death, end quote. She was addicted. The boy, he was addicted. Maybe you're addicted. Maybe I'm addicted. So back to this teenager. This boys will be boys boy. This innocent folly boy who, for him, just as it was for Kimberly, just one became just two. And just two became just one more. And you know the drill. I want to show you a picture of the boy first. It's a picture of that moment when, he's, when he steps out of private obscurity, and we can thank God, I suppose, that he did, that he steps out of private obscurity into public scrutiny. I want to show you his picture. But before I show you his picture, I want you to read a, a commentary. You're going to be... This is not easy to read. But I want you to read a commentary because it could be that this commentary contains the key you and I need for our own addictions. So let's go to that commentary first. Then I'll show you the picture of the boy. Take your study guide out. Let's, let, let's uh, move to the study guide. Thank you, ushers, if you'll just uh, move down because this is a study guide you want. If you got in here with a bunch of your buddies or friends and, and just one of you picked up a bulletin, hold your hands up. Hold up the number of fingers. If you're in the middle of a pew, we'll get the uh, study guide to you. And I hope you guys have it, on, uh, you have it up here. Good. Because I want you to have this. And while they're doing that up in the balcony as well, while they're doing that, I want to uh, welcome those of you who are watching now live streaming, wherever in the nation you are. We're delighted to have you wherever in the world you are. we got people all over the world uh, queuing in at this time in the Eastern time zone. You can go, you're already on your laptop, so just where, where it says uh, the series title. And by the way, it's a brand new series beginning right now, The Bondage Breaker, How to Win and Help Your Friends Win the Battle of Addiction. Go to our website, uh, those of you that don't have a laptop and you're watching on television, go to our website, www.pmchurch.tv. You're looking for this series. It's, it's the first part. Study guide, you see it, click there. You'll have the same study guide. You'll want this study guide. So keep your hands up. They're coming your way. Let's go to that commentary. Before we look at the picture, we go to the commentary. Put the commentary on the screen, please. You're going to need to fill this in. The secret cause of the affliction. This is the boy who grew up to become an addict, all right? This is the commentary before we see the picture. The secret cause of the affliction that had made this man a fearful spectacle to his friends. I mean, it was so innocent when it started. Come on, we're all doing this. A fearful spectacle to his friends and a burden to himself was in his own life. He had been fascinated by the pleasures of sin. It just works that way. It's the pleasures. Man, this is, this is great. And he had thought to make life a grand carnival. Man, I'm going from one party after, to another after another because it's a party on. Grand carnival. He did not dream of becoming a terror to the world and the reproach of his family. He thought his time could be spent in innocent folly. Oh, there are those two words again, innocent folly. But once in the downward path, his feet rapidly descended. Intemperance, that's what you do to your body. A lot of addiction is being done to the body. It's the mind and the body. Intemperance and frivolity, hey, blowing it off, it's just, it's just fun. Perverted the noble attributes of his nature, and Satan took absolute control of him. Write in that word absolute. Because, ladies and gentlemen, 
That's classic definition of, uh, of addiction. It is absolute. You're not half addicted. You're not three quarters addicted. You're absolutely addicted. Drug addiction, alcohol addiction, sex addiction, food addiction, pornography addiction takes absolute control of you. Does it not? Yeah, but why? Come on. You just, that's just, this is kind of a religious, religious description. I want something more scientific. What's more scientific than the ASAM that we just looked at? The, the American Society for Addiction Medicine. I want to go back to that. In fact, you have, your, you, you have the quotation right there in your study guide, and I want you to circle a word this time as we reread it, just a line of it. You see it there at the top of your study guide. Addiction is a primary chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, memory, and related circuitry. Dysfunction in these circuits leads to characteristic biological, psychological, social, and circle it, please, spiritual. This is ASAM giving us this definition. Spiritual manifestations. How spiritual can the manifestations be? Take a look for yourself. Open your Bible with me to the Gospel of Mark, the punchy little Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1. Let's find out. Mark chapter 1. You didn't bring a Bible your, your, and you don't have your smartphone, you don't have a tablet, grab the pew Bible in front of you. It'll be page 673 in your pew Bible. Take a look at this. All right? So now the snapshot. Let's take a look at it. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. And they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. So it's just like this. Everybody's in church. Everybody's in church on the Sabbath. That's what's happening right here. Verse 22. And the people were amazed at Jesus' teaching. Because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out. You try to hit the pause button right there. You try to imagine. If, and desire of, desire of Ages says it's a shriek of terror. Imagine somebody right about over there jumps up and in a shriek begins screaming. I mean, this whole place. We would just freeze. Nobody would even look. Just freeze. That's what happened to them. The guy jumps up. The shriek. Verse 24. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? If you come to destroy us, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The kid that grew up in the village. Guess what? He's possessed. Let's finish that commentary. Let me put it back up on the screen. This is the other, other sentence of it. Remorse came too late. When he got into his, you know, boys will be boys stuff, remorse came too late. When he would have sacrificed wealth and pleasure to regain his lost manhood, he'd become helpless in the grasp of the evil one. He had placed himself on the enemy's ground. And Satan had taken possession of all his faculties. The temper had allured him with many charming presentations. But when once the wretched man was in his power, the fiend became relentless in his cruelty and terrible in his angry visitations. End quote. Wow. How did the ASAM put it? Addiction, dysfunction can lead to spiritual manifestations. You can't get more, get more of a spiritual manifestation than what we just saw. Within the last three months, now listen carefully. Within the last three months, I have personally witnessed with my own eyes and ears the physical connection between addiction and spiritual manifestations such as we just read in Mark. I've seen it. I have a friend who's a drug and alcohol addict. 
went to Andrews Academy. And I have seen the physical and verbal display of the spiritual manifestation Mark is describing. I've seen it up close and personal. And then a few weeks ago, I met a woman who was an alcoholic. And I have witnessed the physical and verbal display of this supernatural manifestation that Mark is describing right there in front of my eyes. And a few days ago, I met someone who described to me the very experience of the physical and verbal display of this spiritual manifestation Mark is describing. Now, look, I'm not trying to be sensationalist here, but I'll tell you what. A few months earlier, I would have said, ah, come on, there is nothing substantive to this notion of linking addiction to the dark netherworld. We've got a Middle, East, Middle Eastern, a Near Eastern writer here. He has no idea about the AMA and ASAM. He has no idea how to describe mental illness, and so he just, he just says it's all demonic. I would have said that a few months ago. But after these three recent experiences, by the way, those experiences were radically altered by group prayer. That told me something immediately. I'm no longer convinced that addictive behavior doesn't have its origin in some form of invisible spiritual warfare. There may be more truth than poetry to the uh, signs. You know, you drive through a city. You drive through a city now, you see these signs. This is nothing new to you. But you'll see these signs. Maybe they're trying to tell us something. I don't know. You drive through town and you see a sign like this. What's this store selling? Wine, beer, and spirits. <laughs> What's up with that? Even in French. What's this store selling? Spirito, vins, liqueur. <laughs> Pretty good, huh? Here's another one, beer and spirits. Now, look at the, look at the, look at the uh, subtitle, bruise, bites, and so much fun, it's scary. There may be more truth and poetry to that little line. It is scary. Look how this story, look at how the story unfolds. Pick it up in verse 23 again. Maybe it's not coincidence that... Verse 23, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus said sternly to him, now notice this, he says in the English here, be quiet. In the Greek, the word is actually be muzzled. Be muzzled. By the way, Jesus will say this very same Greek command when he's standing in the middle, because he's been sound asleep, he's standing in the middle of that pitching, fishing skiff, and he grabs the mast with one hand, and the wind and the waves are blasting against him, and he holds the other hand up, and he says, peace, be muzzled. Boom, the storm's gone. Same command. Identical words. Jesus said to him sternly, be quiet, come out of him. And the impure spirit, verse 26, shook the man violently and came out with a shriek. And the people, verse 27, were also amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread. I can see why. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So what is this, just an ancient tale? Is that it? Or could it be that this is a story 
behind our own addictions, drugs, alcohol, nicotine, pornography, whatever's going on in your life and mine, I need you to know that embedded in this one story are seven truths. If you get these seven, if you and I get these seven, we are on the way to breaking the back of what addicts us today. This little series, we'll get into some practical how-tos. We'll hear from people who, who know. But it's seven embedded right here. Jot them down. Let's go. Boom, 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 boom. When the seven are done, I'm down. Okay? Number one. Seven truths embedded in this story. Number one, we are in a war between two invisible armies. Armies. That's what's going on here. You have, you have the forces meeting in one worship service on a Sabbath morning. In fact, jot this down. This is uh, from Paul. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Paul writes, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces. Forces, those are the armies, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, guys, just understand, the Christian worldview is that there are two, not three, only two prevailing worldviews, that in fact the entire planet and civilization is embroiled in a raging cosmic war between these two sides, what we as Seventh-day Adventists call the great controversy. No question. Scripture is clear. Thus, we believe, you and I, we believe there is no part of life where, okay, this is secular and this is sacred. This is psychological and this is spiritual. No, no, no. You can't do that. Neil, Neil Anderson, in his seminal book, I read it again for the second time over spring break. His book, The Bondage Breaker, by the way, that's where this little title came from for this miniseries. Neil Anderson, in his book, dismisses the notion that there, there are these bifurcated realms. No, 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 no. In fact, put the words on the screen, please. Neil Anderson writing, there is no inner conflict which is not psychological. Of course it's psychological because there's never a time when your mind, your emotions, and your will are not involved. Keep reading. Similarly, there is no problem that is not spiritual. Why? Because there's no time when God is not present. The Bible presents the unseen spiritual world just as real as the natural world we see with our eyes. Clearly, Mark chapter 1 is a narrative of those two worlds clashing in church one day. Embedded truth number two, jot it down. The primary weapon of Satan, never forget this, never forget this, the primary weapon of Satan is deception. John 8, 44. In fact, because we'll, 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 we'll kind of hang in John 8, leave Mark. We're not coming back to Mark. Go to, go to John 8. I want you to see this in your own Bible because th this is dynamite. John chapter 8. So go to John 8, verse 44, bright red. Look at Jesus is speaking here. And I'm in the NIV here. John 8, 44. So let's just read it. I'm not going to put the words on the screen here. we just read it. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus speaking. Not holding the truth, for there is no truth in the devil. When he lies, I just love this. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He does not know how to tell the truth. He'll tell the semblance of truth, just enough truth to get you into the lie. Deception is his M.O. Now fill it in. Fill it in in your study guide. There's no truth in him. When he lies, the devil speaks his native language, for he is a liar. 
He lies to you every single time. He lies to you. In the Student Movement three-part series that Melody Rashman uh, put together. By the way, I'm grateful for Melody putting this series together. It gave us permission to talk about something we knew but nobody wanted to talk about. Thank you, Melody. Anyway, she interviews uh, in uh, several of these uh, three parts. She interviews Dwayne McBride. We know and love Dwayne and Amy because they're members of our pioneer family. He's a sociologist. He's a researcher who has done extensive study of substance abuse. So, listen to this. Dwayne ex explains to her the power of the surrounding culture. He calls it cultural leveling. I'll put uh, Dr. McBride's words on the screen, please. Cultural lev leveling, Dr. McBride explains, describes a tendency of a minority group to gradually conform or change to reflect the attitudes of the majority group. The pressure's on. And, you know, the, the leveling means we're just being pushed out. Listen to this. That's what happened at Wheaton College. Our sister college is just across the lake, Wheaton College and Moody Bible Institute, where the administrations have lifted the ban on alcohol. No more ban on alcohol. Why? The pressure got too strong and just psh, cultural leveling. McBride is right. There's something in all of us that strongly desires to fit in with a larger group. Pack of boys, pack of girls, pack, a whole room full of boys and girls. There's something strong in that cultural leveling to draw us in. Beware. So the idea, look, 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 come on, think. The idea that you can socially drink now and then, you know, a beer or two. I mean, what's the problem? Had a great game of golf and shot hoops and what's wrong with that? A beer or two or a, a, a glass of wine over dinner? I mean, please, do you think I'm, do you think I'm an alcoholic because I drink a glass of wine? <laughs> look, if you were the devil, and I'm grateful that you're not, if you were the devil... Wouldn't you, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a really cool line to push? I mean, come on, it's not a big deal. Why would it be such a big deal to the devil to push that line? Listen carefully, because Satan knows. Satan knows that your mind, your conscience is the only avenue through which your creator can be in direct communication with you. If he can put your conscience and mind asleep, you will do stuff under the influence that you would never think to do when you when you're in your right and sober mind. That's why. Come on. I got you. There's no, there's no connection. Date rape. You ever heard of date rape? What the federal government now calls non-consensual sex under the influence. Seen a car pushed together like an accordion? Three innocent lives snuffed out? Why? Under the influence. Driving, D-U-I, under the influence. Seen domestic violence, have you? Seen domestic violence? Black and blue and yellow over that body. Why? Under the influence. I want to ask you a question, and you answer it to yourself. Whose influence do you suppose you are under when you are under the influence? You tell me. Come on, you tell me. Whose influence are you under when you are under the influence? You know this ill-fated? Oh, God bless him. This has been a hard story to watch for the whole world. I'm talking about Malaysia Air Flight 370. Mercy. We finally know what happened. Some, well, we don't know what happened. So it's down somewhere in the South Indian Ocean, we now know, we think. But the communication between mission control and that cockpit, cut off. Cut off. That's all the devil wants. Cut it off. Cut off the communication. No communication. Down. 
another one crashes and burns. Dwayne McBride again. Put his words on the screen, please. Responsible, I'm quoting him now from the SM, responsible alcohol use. Dwayne asks, I'm not sure how responsible there is, how much responsible there is. The clarity and quality of our relationship with God depends on essentially sobriety and a mind that functions, end quote. Ladies and gentlemen, mark it down. When it comes to alcohol, the devil is a liar. He's a liar. The only defensible position for a Christian to take is total abstinence. Write that down. Total abstinence. Why would you ever want to imbibe something that shuts your mind off from your Maker? There is no logical explanation for it. Total abstinence. All right, some embedded truths in this story. Here comes embedded truth number three. By the way, if the primary weapon of the devil is deception, what do you suppose the primary weapon, what do you suppose the primary weapon of Christ would be? Truth. Write it down. Truth. And we're right here in John 8, so it's perfect. John 8, go up to uh, verse 32. Red letters, Jesus speaking. Then you will know the truth. Let's put that on screen, please. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Two truths, write them both. Now, now, here's where I need you to just kind of think with me for a moment. In the battle of addiction, why is truth the winning weapon? Think, think, think. Why is truth the winning weapon? I think I know the answer. Because the reason we got into the addiction we now have is because of a lie. A lie. I mean, come on, please. You've you got to have this in order to be satisfied. Liar. Come on. You've got to do this in order to be accepted. Liar. As the kid said, liar, liar, pants on fire. The devil works. You must engage. Look, look, girl, girl. You. You must engage in this in order to love and to be loved. Liar. You have the right to indulge this desire. What's the big deal? Liar. And guys, look, look, this is, this, is what's so, this is what's so crazy. Come on, really think now. The crazy but tragic reality is that once we are snared by one set of satanic lies, it's bait and switch. Once we get into it, the lies switch. Watch this. Now that you're in, shame on you. You filthy, guilty Christian. God will never take you back. Liar. You, weak, good for nothing, reject, loser. You're stuck. You don't have the power. I have you, liar. Liar. You see what he does? Gets you in, holds you in. It's all with lies. He's a liar from the beginning. He can bind us with his lies, and that's why, oh, hallelujah, there's verse 36. Come on. So if the Son sets you free, you will be, come on, say it out loud with me, free indeed, free indeed. The truth about the Son is the single truth that can break the back of our darkest addictions, free indeed. Hallelujah. Number four, write it down, the showdown at the cross decided the outcome of the war. 
Oh, that's great news. The showdown at the cross decided the outcome of the war. Colossians, oh, I just love this text. Colossians 2.15, thank you, Paul. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, Christ made a public, I like the NIV rendition, a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You lose. I won. You lose. You've lost. I won. Calvary has settled our victory over our addiction in advance. Hallelujah. Great controversy, that little uh, uh, apocalyptic classic. Put this on the screen. Fill it in. In the Savior's expiring cry, it is finished. The death knell of Satan was rung. The great controversy, which had been so long in progress, was then decided. Not maybe. No, it was decided. And the final eradication of evil was made certain. End quote. Hallelujah. So a few weeks ago, uh, back in February, we, we flew out. Karen and I flew out to uh, Carmichael. That'd be Sacramento, uh, California, where my sister and her husband are pastoring the Carmichael Church. Do a little weekend series. And when we got there, it just brought back memories. I've only been in Carmichael once before, and it was for another uh, previous weekend series. So I'm sitting. It's Friday night. I'm sitting on the front row right about here. And I turn around before the service had started. And I see this kid coming down the center aisle. This kid, young kid in a black T-shirt. Black T-shirt, big red letters on the front of his T-shirt, Satan. I looked at the pastor. I looked back at this kid. Satan? He had this smile on his face. I said, well, whatever. And as he got closer, when he got right up to there, I, I realized that the T-shirt, Satan has two tiny little words underneath it, is defeated. <laughs> is defeated. Is defeated. Two little words. Calvary happened so that if you ever wear a T-shirt with those three words on it, you put Satan real tiny. Satan is defeated. That's the point. That's the point. Calvary won the victory over our addictions in advance. 2,000 years ago, that, that victory. So when you kneel down at the foot of the cross and you cry out for deliverance from the bondage of your addiction, all the forces of heaven are coming to your aid. That's why I died to save you from this. That's good news. And by the way, that's why I kneel at the cross every morning. Every morning. Put it on the screen. This is what I read every morning. Matthew 27, verses 24 through 54. Every day. Why, Dwight? Because that's where I got set free. Every morning as a part of my worship, I read... The story of Calvary. And on the top of the page in Matthew 27, in my Bibles, is this quotation, and you'll have it right now, and you can put it on the top of your page. Put it on the screen, please. Tell Satan of the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. You cannot save yourself from the tempter's power, but he trembles and... What's that word, ladies and gentlemen? Call it out to me. Let's hear it a little louder. What's that word? He flees. He flees. He flees when the merits of that precious blood are urged. Ah, put it on the screen for us, please. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. For when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Number five, jot it down. You must decide your side. That's it. That's why that man, that's why that addict is in church that day. Something within him is longing for deliverance. That's why he was at church. Because you've got to decide your side. Number six, put it down, please. To not decide is to decide. 
You can't, you cannot not decide. You can't say, do I, I, I I'm on a, I'm in a third party. There is no third party. There are only two, and it's not a party, it's a war. Two sides. You're either on one or you're on the other. You can't, there's no neutral ground. You can't put it off. Well, I'm young right now. I'll join the sides later. Too bad, too late. You're already on a side. You have to decide. Number seven, the last one, you must call on the bondage breaker. Write it down. By the way, he is so committed to your free choice. If you want this, girl, hey, boy, if you want this, sir, sir, if you want this, I'll let you have it. I'm not going to take away what you want. He is so committed to our free choice, he will not kick that door down. So the Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, Open the door. I'll come in. And when the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let me in. Come on. Let me in, please. I beg of you. I have dreamed for your life. I have, I have dreamed for you from the beginning. Let the dream go on. Let me in. <laughs> you say, oh, come on. After the mess I've made in my life, are you kidding? After the way I have trashed, look, after the way I have trashed my body, you can't be serious. After the shame I have brought on my family, he would never come in. I beg to differ with you. I want to end with this, Steps to Christ. Look at this quotation. As you see the enormity of sin, as you see yourself as you really are, do not give up to despair. Come on. You, you do not give up. It was sinners that Christ came to save. We have not to reconcile God to us, but oh, wondrous love. God was at the cross in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. He's wooing by his tender love the hearts of his erring, fumbling, bumbling, addicted children. He's, woo he's wooing. He's calling you. No earthly parent could be as patient with the faults and mistakes of his children. Do you know a mama alive who, who be, is, is so ticked, up, ticked off by the way her, her, her daughter is behaving or her son is, is addicted? To, I, I know, boy, I, never, I, don't, I don't love you anymore. There's not a parent that loves that would, let, that would ever let you go. Even more than an earthly parent. So is God with those he seeks to save. No, look, look at this last sentence. No one could plead more tenderly with the transgressor. No human lips ever poured out more tender entreaties to the wanderer than does he. End quote. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, please know that God is on your side. He's on your side. You don't have to run from him. Run to him. I can do this for you. I can do this for you. But I need your permission. And by the way, Pioneer's on your side too. I don't care what your addiction is, what mine is. It doesn't matter. You can be safe in this place. Safe in this place. You just come as you are. By the way, he won't, let you, he won't leave you as you are. But you can come as you are. That's the whole goal of life is to... Experience the fullness of freedom. And it's on April 16. April 16. Jot it down. Would you just put it down? Put it on the screen. April 16. It's a Wednesday evening. We're going to have a special prayer intercession service, intervention service right here. I'll be talking about it for the few weeks. We look at some practical steps now of what to do. 
But April 16, you come here. It's a Wednesday night. You got the time. Let's pray together. Jot it down, April 16. By the way, I just found this out yesterday, so I'm going to put this also on the screen. I just found out that beginning next week on Saturday mornings from 10.30 to 11.30, there is a new group called what they call this Journey to Wholeness group. They're meeting over in the seminary starting next week. Write this down. Seminary uh, room north, north side of the uh, seminary, N211. Journey to Wholeness starting next week. You, you have a friend? It's not for you. You have a friend. Bring a friend. Bring that friend. Journey to wholeness. Easter Sabbath will celebrate blowing the rock away, the power of God. And guess what? We're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to end the school year. We're going to end the semester and the school year with a mighty, powerful celebration of the cross communion service right here. Campus, community-wide, right here. The last Sabbath we end at the cross. Cleansing. Start over. What a way to leave clean. Put the words of Jesus one more time, please, on the screen. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, for when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Take the uh, Connect card, will you please, right now? Guess we're delighted to have you. We do this every time, so we're used to it now, but uh, there's a little card tucked away in your worship bulletin. Take your Connect card out. Uh, on the front card with a black uh, band on it there, just your name and an email address. That will get you material, and you, there's a chance to ask for material on this very card. So just put that there. Make sure the address is legible. Turn the card over. We call this the next step side of the card. And here, they, here are the four today. What, what can I do? What's the next step? Number one, our ushers are going to the doors now to get ready to receive these. I would like special prayer for my battle with addiction. I hope to be at the April 16th prayer event. If you want people to begin praying for you in advance, put a check mark here. We will send you an email reminding you that April 16th appointment. Put a check mark there if you'd like prayer starting now. Number two, I would like to read Neil Anderson's The Bondage Breaker. That book, that book is absolutely powerful. You want it, we'll send you the uh, information. We'll, we'll give you a, a, uh, a website to get that book. Number three, I would like special prayer today. I will come forward at the end of the service. When we finish singing our gospel hymn, it's a beautiful hymn, by the way, Draw Me Near, you're going to see some prayer warriors standing right up here, some intercessors. They're here. When you come to them, you're not, you're not saying, hey, listen, I got an addiction. No. Anything, any prayer that you wish somebody to join with you in praying. You're praying for somebody else. You're praying for your friend. You're praying for your parents. Hey, they're going to be right up here. They'll be standing right here. You just come to them. The organ's going to be playing. You, they'll just pray. They'll just pray. Great way to, to end uh, your Sabbath morning here. And finally, number, number four, I choose Jesus as my bondage breaker. Same Jesus. Same Jesus who said, be muzzled. can say the same for you. Break that addiction and give you the freedom you've been longing for. Let's pray together. Oh, God. We are in a war. There's no way around that reality. But Calvary is a symbol of your mighty triumph over the forces and kingdom of darkness. Satan is fighting with a losing hand. He already knows he's lost. Dear God, thank you for the truth that sets us free. May every heart leave today with that buoyant assurance. The sun sets you free. You are free indeed. Take our morning tithes and offerings and receive our decisions on these Connect cards. We humbly pray in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, I'd like to take a moment to ask for your help. Currently, Pioneer is recording the programs at this website on 15-year-old analog cameras. 
Over the years, as the television standards have changed, we've adapted our cameras to the new standards. However, we're at the point now of no longer being able to cobble these cameras together. The reason? Because of the television industry's shift to high definition. As you can see, this camera is actually using parts from two separate cameras. In fact, we have some camera operators now who are younger than these cameras. The new high definition standard, or HD, is four times the resolution of our current cameras and employs the industry standard widescreen format. The sensors in these cameras are just not capable of producing that level of picture quality. New cameras are a huge investment for our small ministry, but we feel it's something that needs to be done as some of our major broadcast partners are now planning to shift to this standard. So I'm asking if you'd be willing to help. If the Spirit puts it on your heart, would you be willing to give some extra support to this ministry? Through your gifts, multiplied, I believe, exponentially by God's power, we can reach this end-time generation. So look, the process is simple. Just click on the link there on the website that says make a donation. You can give a single gift, or if you'd like to support us long-term, you can make that gift happen each month. If you'd rather speak with someone instead of using this uh, website, that's fine. Call our friendly operators. Toll-free number, let me put it on the screen here, 877, and the, the two words, His Will. 877-HIS-WILL. And by the way, not a single dollar donated to this ministry or this project goes to me. Your gift will go straight to our mission. Thank you for your support. And as always, I hope I'll see you back here again at this site.